Welcome to the Tiny Plastic People podcast. It is the podcast which is about tiny plastic people. We paint them, we play with them, and we want to tell you why we think that is great. We are the podcast of the website, which is unsurprisingly called tinyplasticpeople.com. You can go there and there is content there. Mostly podcasts, but sometimes articles too. Anyway, let us get on with the show. Today I am joined by some fine, fine gentlemen, and I'm going to go in order that you are on my screen. So, Alistair, say hello, Alistair. Hello, Alistair. Brilliant. V, or Pete, aka Fienya. Hello, I'm Pete, aka Fienya. Excellent. And Michael. Hello. Yes, aka RM for Rogue Michael. Brilliant. And we have got a show for you today, which is what I am told is the thing you say at the beginning of a show when you do have a show with which to present people with. So we usually start by talking about the games we have played and the hobby which we have done. So let us go ahead and uh, start with... Let's start with Pete, because I can see a paintbrush in his hand at this very moment. What hobby have you gotten up to? Well, um, I mean, our server is sort of undergoing some sort of tyranid infestation at the moment. And, uh, well, basically, I really want to be part of that. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are really familiar with the uh, the, the devastation of Baal tie-in 40k novel. <laughs> um, yes. But, um, Very much so. Well, yeah, no, you actually are as a as a big Blood Angels boy, aren't you? And um, it was actually one of the first Black Library like uh, novels I read, and it's uh, it's an interesting one. I think I would say it's not anything life changing, but it's better than any. It's better than it has any right to be. Um, it's a very silly book. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, isn't all Warhammer very deeply silly? And you know, that's kind Even of what we like Warhammer it. levels. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything specifically like outrageous about it, other than the like perspective of a tyranid. Was it a Ravena, a Lictor, something like that? Yeah, it's the Lictor, which yeah, um, POV and has a yeah. When you say it's silly, I I'm assuming like clown car, yeah, like marines coming out of a tank, and like the thing where they spin around with the plank, and there's guys carrying a pane of glass across. And Tyranids go yeah, barreling you know, through there, it. To be honest, I think there was a like pane of glass scene. And also <laughs> there was definitely a scene in which Commander Dante of the Blood Angels does pop a wheelie on a motorcycle in a hospital. So <laughs> I don't see what's silly about that. That's just living the dream, surely. It's serious business. Serious. Classic yeah. Warham. So you're painting someone popping a wheelie in a, <laughs> in a hospital? As a diorama. I mean, I wish, I wish. I suppose, in a way, this uh, this broodlord is kind of doing some sort of sick jump off a miscellaneous bit of tyranid appendage. So, there is that. It is better to assume that he's doing a sick jump, otherwise he's probably just going to topple <laughs> off it. And that's... I'd be very undignified. <laughs> pretty sad. Very undignified. It would be. The hive mind has to have some dignity. But yeah, no, basically, um, there's been a fair few of us who've been discussing that book and the the sort of concept of uh, that book, which is the Blood Angels and all their successor chapters coming together to fight off a tyranny invasion as a sort of... uh, It's not really a group project, but it's sort of like a group happenstance of like several people in our group collect Blood Angels and now we need someone for them to fight. 
Uh, so what better choice than Tyranids? So I very much expect at some point in the next, I don't know, five years to have a, a group get together with, you know, Blood Angels and successor chapters against uh, Tyranids and nothing else. Pretty cool. So are you painting as a particular high fleet? Like, I don't know how it works with Bar. Was it particular yeah, so, ones than you are? Or are you just going for whatever you fancied anyway? Well, you know me, I'm I'm something of a... A, a vanilla boy uh, when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to painting schemes um good to be specific about these things um but yeah it, so in in the book it is a uh, high fleet leviathan and that's what i'm painting as that's the sort of purple and white um very much one of the the, the most you know they're the box art tyranids basically they are to tyranids what ultramarines are to space marines Oh dear! Mm. Like I say, on the box art, you're not coming in. I'm a, I'm a box art wanker at heart, so yeah, <laughs> that was the phrase that had sprung to mind. But I didn't want to be cruel. But... I'm reclaiming it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been up to anything else other than uh, tickling a tyranid? Well, I mean, do we want to talk about um, the 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 meetup, or is that for the the final Ooh, that's section? For later. Okay, that, that's for later. Cut, right? cut this. No, no, no. We'll leave that as a little tease. Oh, oh. yeah. Well, consider every every listener teased. Let's uh, consider Alistair teased. So, as Alistair was not the one to being in uh, entirely the wrong hemisphere for um, our uh, meetup. Um, what hobby have you been up to, Alistair? Uh, well, um, had a bit of a slump for a little while, um, but then I've recently managed to do quite a bit of hobby. Um, I got and painted the new uh, Aeronautica Imperialis box um, because tiny planes are cool Um, and I've always thought that they were cool but then the tiny space marine planes were even cooler because I can use them with my titans because they're canonically the same ones and that kind of gave me the impetus to finish my Warlord Titan for Titanicus um, which is great. I have a full almost 2,000 points of Titanicus, which is the first 2,000 yeah. points of any Warhammer I finished. Congratulations, wow. that sounds grand. That's actually yeah. more than a full army for most uh, games, as I understand it. I think the, the standard's 1750. Yeah, so I can easily sort of like choose what I want. And uh, there's lots of upgrades and stuff now, mm. so it's quite easy to make up the points in Titanicus, which is nice. Um, and, and, I played a game recently, though it was not Games Workshop game, it was Malifaux. Uh, at my local game store and that was quite cool I played as Lucas McCabe who is a uh, not a bounty hunter, a treasure hunter um, against Ma Tuckett who's a fat gremlin who likes to throw you in pit traps Um, turns out the tomb raiders uh, won that round mostly because they have all sorts of cursed artifacts that they have stolen from various like places. Like two pistols and a tank top. Which... Yeah, I think that's <laughs> <one of them. laughs> could you, uh Could you sort of explain a little bit more about Malifaux? Because I know that we do focus a lot on Games Workshop games, and what, what roughly oh, is a game sure. of Malifaux like for the uninitiated? Uh, well, it's it's... It's a skirmish uh, scale game, um, sort of um, very sort of like limited. You don't 
really have more than eight models. Like the most you might have is maybe like twelve models, and that's if you're playing like really sort of like hoardy tiny models. Um, and you're you always have a master who's like the leader of the crew, and that sort of like determines sort of like the characteristics of like what you're gonna do and um, like how your crew will play. Uh, so minus Lucas McCabe, as I said, he is a the Tomb Raider, and he's got cool powers about like handing various cursed artifacts backwards and forwards. Um, and then it's got a quite an interesting uh, objective system called where you have a strategy which both players are playing towards. Um, and this one, in this case, for instance, the strategy was we had to like hold various points on the map. Um, and then you got a pool of five schemes, and you choose two of them secretly. So when the game begins, you know what your opponent might be trying to do, so you can try stop them, but you um, don't necessarily know until they've scored the first pointer from it. Um, so that can be something like assassinate your opponent's leader. But so if that's in the pool, you know, okay, well, someone might be coming after my leader, but I can go after their leader, but they know that I will be doing that too, so then they might counterplay me, and that's quite so fun. It's a game of mm. objective chicken. Yeah, it's very cool. Is it anything like... Uh, this is me just not understanding either <laughs> game, but is it anything like Underworlds in that sort of like way that it's kind of like a card game as well as a skirmish game? Does it lean... Well, I'll let Alistair explain because he knows better, but um, the way you interact is by, instead of rolling dice, you use a pack of playing cards, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is the other sort of like biggest thing about Malifaux is that like um, is you're flipping cards off the top of the deck instead of rolling a dice. So effectively you've got like a range between one and thirteen that you might be hitting um, every time you do a check. But then there are various things that can modify that. Like if you have a positive flip, it means you flip two cards and take the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, and both the value of the card and its suit are important because the suit can sometimes give you like um, extra abilities based on what you do. Um, And then also, you've got a hand of cards um, that you draw at the start of the turn, and then you can use those to cheat them into, to basically replace whatever you flip. Um, So that's another limited resource you have over the turn. So if you've got like a good card in your hand, you might want to keep it for something you really want to happen. It's a case of like bounded bounded randomness because you know like in your whole deck you're gonna you're going to flip four thirteens you're gonna flip four ones so you don't get the case of like oh i've rolled so many ones you can only flip four aces i am certain you still have that you would have people (laughs) complaining about that and already i know what i'd complain about (laughs) if i get like advantage and i flip over two aces like, and I'm only picking the better one. I'm only picking one already. So you can't tell me I wouldn't have bad luck in this. I've already decided I would. <laughs> That's fair. I cannot determine <laughs> the user's experience. Is it always the same? Is it like one deck of cards for the whole game? So you have like your 52 cards to start. Or... Yeah. Um, well, you got the it's 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 full full deck and two jokers. So the black you've got a a black joker and a red joker. Red Joker very good, Black Joker super bad. Although if you if you burn through your whole deck in a in under a turn, you've got to reshuffle it, which means that it's entirely possible to like burn through all your your whole deck and then once again be at the vagaries of like complete bad luck. Mm. So it is possible to flip more than four aces in a turn if you are flipping enough cards. 
And is it one, is it like, I thought it was like more like a shared deck between you two, or is it you get one each? No, you get one each. Okay. Because uh, yeah, I thought then so, you could like yeah. start thinking, oh, well, I've only got this number of cards left. I've seen this number of cards and I'm a cool card counter, so <laughs> I know what's going on. Um, and be able to well, pull off some it, horrible moves that way. You you can do it anyway, because like if you you can tell if your opponent's been flipping like well, then you're like okay now I know that their deck's getting a bit cold now, mm. so now now might be the time to push. At the, and if you've got abilities that you see your opponent's hand, like that's also really good because effectively you know like oh, they've got nothing better than a seven in their hand, they can't stop me. So basically, what you're saying is, uh, Malifaux is the perfect miniatures game from anyone who's been banned from a casino. Yeah, <laughs> it depends it's... what you were banned for, Pete. No, no, I, I speak in generalities. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, the new um, uh, sort of worker at a local game store is a um, professional magician, ah. which means that we constantly tell him, uh, 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 absolutely positive that he's cheating under all circumstances. Which is excellent. Imagine he is a, also very lucky. <laughs> becoming a, a a trained magician, learning all those slate of hand tools, and just wanting to have a nice game of Malifaux, and no one will play with you because they think Impossible. you're a magician. The one time being a magician gets you hated. We all know wizards aren't to be trusted, so there you go. Amazing. Cool. Okay. RM. Uh, so I've done some painting, but it's super secret, secret Santa painting. Ooh. Um, so therefore cannot be disclosed. Um, but that's been fun. I've painted a little bit of my own stuff. Um, going to a tournament in January, and I've got... Well, I was about to say I've got 2,000 points of Stormcast. That's true, because if you've got 5,000 points of Stormcast painted, you do have 2,000 points painted. But you don't necessarily have a list that you want to take to a tournament. Um, so I'm just painting up a few things, just you know, just the broken stuff, the stuff that hopefully won't be nerfed by the time this podcast comes out. Um, it's probably the stuff which is the stronger of the Stormcast stuff. I don't think that makes it too problematic, but it makes sense for me to take it. So as long as I can still take it, even if it takes a slight power turn down, I think it'll be fine. So I'm painting those up, but mostly this weekend I've been interacting with the hobby in its purest form, shopping. Um, Rich and I went to the Warfare uh, uh, gaming show. So There's people playing games there, but we were just there for the the vendor hall. Um, It's run by the Wargaming Association of Reading. It used to be in a sports hall, but now it's at Ascot Racecourse. Which oh, is I very fancy. That. that is very yeah, fancy. That's, that's very so cool. nice. So a highlight for me is the um the train station and the race course are just like a five minute walk along just like a dead straight pathway that they've just like cut straight between the two. You don't have to go near a road until you get to the race course. It's brilliant. It was lovely. Um Yeah, so potted round there. I bought some um little little um Land Rovers for uh, Team Yankee, and then I realised there was a wrong scale. So later in the day, I had to go back to the shop and go, I am an idiot. Um, I didn't check what scale they were. These are 10 mil. Um, I need 15 mil. Um, So I managed to swap them for a pot of Vallejo basing muck. Um, And in the meantime, I'd bought one Land Rover of the right scale 
And I was looking at Perry miniatures and stuff like that because I'd been tempted to get into Turnip 28 recently. Mm. So that's a, like a project in the setting and stuff by Max, Fitz, Max Fitzgerald. Um, and that started as like taking a Napoleonic-era body and an Asian core knight and kitbashing them together so you have this horrible sort of hunched-over, um, miserable-looking soldier with an old rusty mucky weapon and they've got like roots and uh grass and stuff growing out of them um and it's grown more than that there's various uh different aesthetics you can do there so i was thinking of doing that but as i pottered around the show i realized part of me wanted to buy these napoleonics and mucky them up and part of me just wants the napoleonics <laughs> so i think i might have talked myself out of turn it 28 and potentially into historicals but then there's a question of scale, because 28 mil models for something like Napoleonic battles is quite big. It's a lot of Yeah, them. I mean, you're always running the risk of a battle just being one long line of men walking towards each other on each yeah. side at the sort of 28 mil scale, because it's, you know, <laughs> it's quite zoomed in, really, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, you sort of don't get the whole, the sense of the battle and the, like, mm. the majesty there and it's still quite a lot of painting it would, yeah you know even regardless of how you wanted to paint them and i'd probably able to put like less into them than i do my gw stuff you'd still be painting hundreds of little little dudes yeah so. and they're going to be quite detailed as well at that scale is the other thing so you know yeah. how much sort of officer's gold braid do you want to <laughs> paint on a <laughs> a captain of the line that is one of the appeals of Turnip 28, obviously, is detail or just covered in muck. Right. And it's always covered in muck. You <laughs> should probably put a link oh to the Turnip 28 rules because they came out fairly recently from the creator. Ah. And I did download them, but they're a PDF. And I just can't handle having PDFs on things and have to like kind of read it in a sense, like I wanted to print them out. So I printed them out and had every intention of sending them out, like to get printed and put into like a hardbound book. And then I realized that it cost me like 60, 70 quid. So <laughs> I thought, you know what? I'll wait. Nice. But there is a very nice book. It's all lovely artwork and everything. So, yeah. And the yeah. newsletter is, um, it's really nice as well. Uh, sort of the, the magazine thing. I think there's been one issue of that so far. It's really good. It's got guides in there for like creating your own regiment and your kit bashing guides, some step by step stuff. Um and like stories. Developed by Max Fitzgerald, just to get the name in there so in case I forget to put the link in. So Nice. I think I've read that uh zine. It was pretty good. The mm. the yeah, magazine about turn twenty eight. Yeah, the swollen maglet. Yes. It's such a filthy, horrible That's setting. A delightful I love it. name. I must uh, extend some thanks to Yoram for uh, and to Rich for scouting out warfare, though, because uh, you you were uh, you were able to supply me with a link to some uh, <laughs> items of interest to me, which is I feel like furthering my uh, proximity to being a member of some sort of military reenactment <laughs> association. Check this space in two years to see if I'm a signed up member of the Sealed Knot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, some some uh, in British Civil Wars miniatures may be entering my life at some point in the near future. Uh, is this the 10mm Pendragon? 
Yes, yes. yes. Like a giant bag of miniatures for 35 quid. Like yeah, it's it. amazing. Their, their stool was brilliant. They got like these little display. I was going to say cabinets. They're like, I don't know, it's like the size of like a box of chocolates almost. Like just this little perspex thing. And inside, just this beautiful diorama of two sides just facing each other. And about like 50 to 100 minis in there. And they've got like <laughs> the ancient stuff. They've got some like fantasy stuff, which is like orcs riding. What? wolves against like dwarves with cannons and stuff mm. um so i got a few of those dotted and then yeah they just got these bags which they're the sort of bag which if you're used to gw you would have like a couple of minis in it and is literally it's your 35 pound get started with your army it's 160 minis um and they're just adorable so yeah i was kind of looking at the napoleonics ones earlier today <laughs> the average age of this podcast increases the more common these conversations will become i feel like i'm aging as like this conversation is going on <laughs> james is chanting to himself no i'm too cool i'm too cool i'm too cool james you're not if you take that hat off james then you'll be then you'll be in danger i'm wearing a beanie it's cold in here i, <laughs> I guess that leaves me for hobby stuff I believe. Again, I'm getting on with Secret Santa stuff. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, But we also secretly mentioned that we had a meetup as well. And a lot of my hobby hobby progress was actually getting stuff ready for that. I painted some custodians, which actually finished a squad and a tank, which was quite nice. And the tank. A lovely looking tank. Thank you. I'm very proud of that tank. It came out quite nicely. And I painted it fairly quickly, which is... Quite nice. It is the Caladus, Caladus, whatever it is, Annihilator. So it's got the two cannons on the top, which you can do burst or focused fire, and that's very fun. And it didn't die straight away, spoiler alert, but then it did die. So there we go. (laughs) Oh yeah, I killed that with my Terminators, didn't I? You did, you did. You punched it to death, and it was fairly ineffective in doing anything. That's the Tankamaran tank right it is that it is <laughs> custodian tanks are very classy they are like high class yachts so you know what else imagine the in? great gatsby getting in one of them yeah they get in they do the little cheers with their martini and then they blow up after getting punched by some terminators but yeah that's pretty much what i've been doing i've also been slowly working on i guess this is the uh standard cursed city update i did a resin pour which was exciting and nerve-wracking and took most of a day so that was fun it looked amazing you'd crafted the most beautiful swimming pool i know (laughs) i i have this thing i've realized i just love things with water so then filling something with resin was an incredibly pleasurable experience because it was just like oh look it's looking like it's getting more and more underwater i think this has something to do with me living near a canal and i just stare in it every like as i walk to work (laughs) And what if this was my hobby? What if what if what if canal was hobby? Um, so yeah, slowly filling up this thing. So it's about. I didn't realize this that uh, most resin features that people do, they use this. Um, well, not most people, but the assumed thing is it's actually quite shallow. And what you do is you put right. this murky stuff into your resin to make it look like it's deeper than it is. James did not kind of clock that kind of thing and made it as deep as i wanted it to be and then thought i'll put resin in that so i actually used 
a hell of a lot of resin for just a tight it's only like 30 centimeters by 15 centimeters ish and it's only about 20 centimeters of that roughly is resin pour but it's also about an inch and a half deep clear resin so it weighs a ton it's the cinema verite of uh terrain building yeah yeah you know like when people talk about practical effects and cg um, yeah. i'm like the oh practical effects sort of boy so that's that's what's occurred so anyway i have almost finished one of my cursed city tiles using a resin pour in it i actually haven't finished the outside i got so excited about the concept of resin that i just went ahead and finished the inside and poured my resin into that and haven't painted the outside yet so wait for me to spill a pot of nolan oil or something into the middle of it and that's about it but yeah that's... i want to ask how many tiles there are going to be but that feels like an aggressive question given <laughs> you've done one and i feel like the answer isn't two well the answer is not two the answer is right um, what is the answer? The answer is I was aiming for twenty. Holy moly! And I have built fourteen of them on the top, and then I started working on the wall sections, and then I started going a bit over over the top on the wall sections as well because they magnetize onto the sides of the thing and they fit need to fit properly. But then I had to think about, oh, well, what happens if they don't have the wall section on? So there are actually wall sections on the inside as well. So when you take the wall section off, there is a painted wall inside. So it doesn't look like rubbish to me. So oh, I see. Yeah. And then I realized I don't actually have to do wall sections for all of them. But I also convinced myself I did. So now I have to. So that, <laughs> that's how this project goes. Um, so anyway, painted, I have one and a half painted mm-hmm. with walls and then i've got another one actually primed which was fun and then i have several of them ready for their wall sections and then i ran out of magnets so i need to buy some more magnets and yeah that's about it but yeah that's my progress i haven't painted anything exciting really i haven't really built anything other than secret santory stuff and i haven't completed any units other than some custodians which i really should get on with they're just they're everywhere but you built hype. That's the important thing. That's what we do here. We just have hype. <laughs> anyway, hobby progress over. Let's move on to our hot topics of the day. I did actually say hot topics because it says host topics, but I read that as hot <laughs> topics. So Host. Host topic. Uh, let's move on to Asda. So you have a topic. Well, introduce your topic to us, and then we, sh- we shall uh, discuss. For sure. Um... So, yeah, we paint a lot of models. The least we would like to, um, and sometimes they even finish them, uh, or terrain pieces, or like whatever they are. Um, and I currently do not have really a display situation for my miniatures, and this saddens me uh, because, like, I do like looking at like the things which I spent hours on, and I like. Uh, sort of like appreciating that I created a thing. Um, I do see them when I play games, but obviously that is not all the time. So they live in boxes quite a lot. And uh, I want to get myself a like display cabinet that is one of the plans for this uh, sort of Christmas time holidays, potentially. But I was thinking about all the other ways in which you could um, look at models or have them in view of yourself or the way that you 
places you can just go look at them. I guess first I wanted to ask, like, uh, what do you guys do with your models? Do you have them on display somewhere in your house? Gonna say yes, I do. I have them on display up in the garage, though, because I had to move them out of the house because there was too many of them. But you, you've got a special garage. It's not really, it's not really like a, a, a sort of dank carpet. It's, it's more of a luxury hobby room these days, isn't it? It's, it, it's an extension of the house, essentially, where I got yeah. to put some things. But I did partially one of the reasons was to put models in because I did have my models in an IKEA, like a IKEA Kallax, you know, the square ones. I was using those, and I still actually use one of those, which is just a slightly bigger one. But I've always actually wanted my models on display, particularly after I've painted them, because you spend so long painting them and collecting them that I sort of had to set myself a little rule that I wouldn't display anything that wasn't finished. So if something isn't finished, it's either on the desk or it's hidden away in a drawer or it's hidden in a box somewhere. But it was definitely, once it's done, it gets to go on the shelf. And that's like the little tree Mm. that gets to go on the shelf. And then every now and then I do catch myself just staring at the shelf going, hmm. I did that. Yeah. How about uh, how about yourself, Fee? What about you? Well, it's a, I'm still in a a time of great change and upheaval because um, I, I think last time I was on the pod, I was mentioning about my sort of hobby room plans uh, after having moved into a new house, and that that is sort of just on the cusp of actually happening now. Um, I was I was I was painting some skirting boards in, in the what will become the hobby room only this very day. Um, but yeah, currently as it stands, I mean, I, everything's in a box except the stuff I'm like actively painting. Um, it so, it somewhat leads me on to what my topic is going to be, so I won't I won't continue. But uh, for now, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, my current situation is a far cry from my old situation because in my old hobby room, I basically had like wall-mounted shelves that absolutely everything could go on, and yeah, that that's the dream to get back to that. Basically, hmm. Michael. Yeah, I've got um, a Kallax unit that's dedicated to Warhammer, but a lot of that is books, so only the top square. I got like the um the glass door and the little shelf you can put in, so there's two layers there. Um and that was housing my army until massive overspill of it has occurred and it in no way fits in there anymore. Um a lot of it's on top and then the stuff just on the front of bookshelves, just like any space in front of a book <laughs> is just like a mini gets popped there, so well, this is the problem, right isn't it? This is the problem because we keep buying things and then space doesn't get any bigger. So <laughs> there's always going to be a problem with this. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. I own, I think, over 1,100 painted miniatures at this point. Yeah, so, you know, this is why you actually bought the house in the first yeah, place. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <You're now> like... <laughs> it's a glorified warehouse is the reality. Um, but yeah, I, I suspect I'm going to have to buy a a fair few Kallaxes to uh, to get everything on display. I don't think they're the most efficient way of displaying models, but they are no. quite good. I wanted to... I was looking at getting the, the very cheap solution, which was a Billy bookcase, um, with the potential idea of getting like a glass door over the front of it, but the ones that IKEA actually sell are like half wood on the bottom and only glass at the top, so that really wouldn't be great. 
And then you've got debt elves, which are less space for more money. And I don't know. I feel like my inherent clumsiness will uh, not agree with a full glass cabinet at some point or another. Calyxes are particularly good if they're like what you've got anyway. So mm. they, they're quite good for books. They're very good for board games. Yeah. The standardised Euro board game box in a Calyx is, is the classic fit. So when you've just got a mixture of those in the living room, and yeah, it's not optimal for the minis, but it means that the minis get to live right. in in the rest of what's going on. It makes sense. It is annoyingly close to Thalax, though, and the uh, the Mechanicum robot. Yeah. If we'd gone to me first, I would accidentally have said Thalax, so I'm glad James got to go before me. <laughs> I'm well-trained and well-versed in the IKEA's catalogue after, you know. And the Mechanicum's catalogue. And the Mechanicum's catalogue, yes. Staring at mm. Forge World. That's what I'm doing when I'm not staring at my models and just staring at Forge World. <laughs> The other thing which I was thinking about was um, because I currently do not have a physical space, even though I'd plan to get one, um, I just spend a lot of time looking at pictures that I've taken on my phone, um, sort of obsessing on about over them, which is good in some ways because I get to like look and see, like, oh, I did like this paint job. This is a good scheme. Or I don't really like this, or this needs more contrast. So I get to sort of like give myself a lot of feedback just staring at models a lot. But... I could probably set up some sort of virtual, um, I don't know, gallery. Um, I know that I certainly get advertised them by YouTubers who are like, get Squarespace and put all your miniature pictures on it. And maybe that's not such a bad idea because it would be a central place. On the other hand, I could just also put them all on my Google Drive, which would be less expensive. But I should do something. Squarespace sounds like a knockoff Kallax. It's true. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I, I like the idea of like, particularly if you don't have enough space for putting your models up. Like, the, what's the alternative? Is to put them in a box and hide them somewhere. So knowing one what you have or knowing what you have had in the past is always quite a nice thing. So I definitely know I've got pictures of models that I no longer have because I either gave them away or did something else with them or uh, sold them um, or they're just in bits or something like that and it's quite nice to like say and also they're up in the garage and i'm down in the house so if i want to look at my models i could just look at my phone instead of going up into the cold cold garage yeah having an online place like instagram squarespace um image of google photos anything like that you can always uh you can always witness the things that you have done created by your own hand in that in that format so yeah that's cool. this just proves that my relentless cataloging of my miniatures via the medium of spreadsheet is uh, definitely a good and healthy thing. Yeah, we haven't got onto Trello boards. <laughs> yeah, well, you're actually the perfect you're the perfect person to be on this pod, actually, and <laughs> to ask this question to, because you both have too many models to physically be in your own space. <laughs> and also, you're good at like recording them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a large part, and this is probably an extremely shameful admission, but a large part of the the joy I get from finishing a miniature is being able to click onto my uh, my five year old spreadsheet at this point and just type the number of things that I've finished and go, yeah, the number's gone up now. I mean, really, Warhammer for me is a very sort of long term, high investment clicker game. With your own salary as the uh... yeah. <laughs> Doesn't doesn't don't don't really get much of a return on it for some reason. No idea why. 
I get people saying that like you should paint for yourself and paint what you want to paint. And like I absolutely do. But what I enjoy about painting is being able to show it to other people and them like it. So like it, any individual opinion I don't really mind, but if people stopped like liking what I painted, I think it would take away a large part of my enjoyment. Although I guess in our community people would just be really nice about it anyway and be like you like it so i'm gonna say nice things um it's kind of one of our tenets but i do really like having the photos there and particularly like later on when people were talking about stormcast schemes or like oh how would you convert a lord arcanum and i could go like this or nudge someone else in the community and go hey lumi show them my lord arcanum and then he did and that was like oh yes that, mm. that made the feel good so i even if i don't get to see them like on my shelf i really like just being able to shamelessly bring them up in conversation and show them off like i play games largely so that at least one person has to look at my minis for about two hours <laughs> i feel like i have a lot of uh, respect for that yeah that's good <laughs> i like it i feel like a lot of people are doing it for that reason whether they know their own mind or not so I mean, it is part of the joy isn't it just dropping a fully painted army on someone and just like saying this is fully painted especially if you come from um a sort of club or you know pickup game background where you you don't really see that a lot at least not in my experience like i remember the first club game of 40k that i played i think god it must have been four or five years ago now and like i was one of the two people out of 24 there who had a fully painted army and you know even even though it was some of my earlier work which isn't as good as what i do now it was you know people said wow that looks great on the table you know all the same color scheme and yeah it's a, it's a nice ego boost and make, it does make you feel good yeah, those are good thoughts thanks let's uh move on to yeah so this this sort of follows on from from what alistair was saying in a in a very natural and flowing manner so well well planned um basically the thing that i want to talk about is sort of like your hobby space so not not like your storage solution but um where you sit down to paint and build stuff and the reason i'm thinking about this is because what has happened to me since moving out is before I was living at my parents' house and I had like a sort of office room that I could use. I mean, chiefly just to do Warhammer stuff. So I had all my models painted and unpainted. I had all my like basing materials, every, every, every single hobby thing in one place. And that was obviously really, really useful and convenient to actually like doing anything. But now that I have my own house, I really wanted to like, you know, <laughs> For anyone that I ever happen to live with in the future, I don't want to be a shut-in in in my own little, like, office whilst they're in the living room watching telly or doing whatever they're doing. So I've set up my sort of PC and hobby desk in my lounge, like, next to the telly. But what this has meant is I have to sort of make an executive decision as to what stuff I have here. So I don't have all my miniatures here, obviously. Um they're going to be in the gaming room basically like what are your guys's thoughts on like what stuff you should have within arm's reach and what stuff you can get away with sort of being like a walk away from you i'm struggling to relate to any part of your your circumstance Pete, given <laughs> that i'm on my little desk i've got my keyboard shelf and that keyboard shelf is used for the keyboard uh it's used for mini painting 
and it's also used for eating my dinner. So for any one of those to happen, everything else has to get moved. But, but what about up. the desk on in the the east wing? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but that, that's uh, yeah. I can reach. So I've managed to actually set up. We've got a table next to me that's meant. I guess was meant to be clear, but that has not been the reality in a long time. So I guess that's where I've just piled up. Yeah, now I mention it, actually everything is within arm's reach. I've got, to my right is an entire table covered in all my paints, trays of half-painted stuff, and I know directly behind me is my main Kallax unit with more of the same that I can just spin right. get. So I guess I would simply not be as sensible as you. I would start <laughs> like you, and then if there's anything, if there's like a chair or a footstool or just the floor, stuff would just flow right. towards me because i know that even when i try and like organize my paints right i'll put all my paints back and then literally within a two-hour painting session i have 60 paints on my desk i'll count them and be like <laughs> who could ever need 60 paints in a project and it's a good question and they just flood so yeah i think i just wouldn't have the discipline sprawl sprawl relentlessly that's your yeah. top tip okay it is in this and everything <laughs> <laughs> i think my uh sort of base state is also to sprawl um but i've gotten better <laughs> uh, i'm lucky enough to have quite a bit of space to store things um and as a result most of my things is in cupboards not necessarily all sorted inside the cupboards but they are inside cupboards but i've got a f- trestle which i have doing my hobby on and i find i just get a sort of like baseline of stuff which i always want or if i want it quickly i have it close to me so i've got mm. my my plastic glues, my super glues. I've got a small box for tools. So I do have proper tools like places, but I've got like the sort of tools which are living with me. And that usually always contains like a scalpel and my side cutters and some files. Mm. Um, and then I've got a big place in the cupboard full of paints, but I've also got a rack Um which basically just contains my favorite paints, like the paints I always go back to or I use as highlights or standards. So like I've got about probably about 30 paints, which I always go and like reach yeah. for. It's like I like I I use I use Vallejo, but I just know like really often now I'm like, OK, I need a lighter color. It's going to be ivory. It's always ivory. So the ivory lives in my um in my rack. And so I've got a whole bunch of them like that. Um, same. Some paintbrushes, not all the paintbrushes. But I think that like as long as everything that you need quickly is in reach, uh, it's a lot sort of smoother. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I have a sort of little uh, shelving system with all my paints on to the side of my desk, which obviously looks very stylish as well. So I think it also might come down slightly to how much faster you paint and make progress than I do. If you're concerned about, like, a project being proximal mm. to you because for like me that'll be what i'm painting for weeks even yeah if it's like i can't relate thing. to that <laughs> whereas you'd be like done now i need my blood angels or whatever so like oh they're in the other room i'd be like well they're in the other room but they're going to be through here for the next right. six months so it wouldn't really come up I think. so it's a question of flow yeah i was gonna say i think i'm the like amalgamation of all of you with the way everything has <laughs> sort of panned out recently, so the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah, often we we've talked about James's garage. However, <laughs> James's garage does not actually get used for anything 
particularly hobby-wise. It's just where I've stored all of my hobby and my desk. What I didn't count on was the fact that it's actually become winter and it's bloody freezing <laughs> up in the garage. And also, it's really... Uh, well, a bit like you, Snippy. It's a bit like out of the way. So if I've gone sure. and worked in the garage, like I'm working from home uh, or I'm working from the office, if I, when I come home, I do kind of like being near my partner and sharing some space with them and being able to talk to them and not just like immediately shutting the door and going and recording right. a podcast or other things. Um, so what I've... Paint my models now. Bye. It says, morning, sweetie. Right, good night. Evening. Anyway, right, <laughs> yeah. time for painting. Sit down. And it's, a, it's actually one of the reasons why I don't get to sort of do as much sort of desk work in the evenings because I just don't want to do desk work mm. in the evenings now because... I spend a lot of time at a desk. I would like to not spend a lot of time at a desk the rest of the time. I'd like to sleep mostly because I'm just very tired all the time. (laughs) But what that has resulted in is projects which what I've kind of started doing is putting projects onto my tray. So I kind of go up to the garage with my tray, pick all the little bits I want, and then I take it down. I put it on our dining dining room table and I work on that in there until it becomes too much of a mess. And then I kind of collate everything back onto the tray and tidy it all up again and then put it somewhere else so what i've actually happened is that now there is a tray over there which is covered in custodians apologies for the chair squeak and then there is a tape like stuff here in a calax which is like the the fabled tiles which is another project which i have going on and there is a box underneath thing of like bits for those things and then each project has like a little area where it's just like well that's the tray for the custodians there's the tray for secret santa Mm. and i have these i move them around the flat in like a cycle so no one can keep quite track of where i'm at with anything but i am actually slowly actually working on things unlike what was happening i do like the uh the idea of that sort of like a modular solution where you can move the thing you're working on in front Mm. of you as as needed yeah that sounds very good you could also have a spreadsheet, Pete, of which (laughs) project was in which area and with a color-coded box system yeah i like it i like it We've got Nurgle in the kitchen. We've got Tyranids in the living room. Could make it correspond to the colours of each that each faction gets on my spreadsheet. Did yeah. you paint your house in those colours as well? Do you know <laughs> one of the um, the colours that I've painted uh, my lounge? Actually, I really thought this is about as close as I can get to Sons of Horror screen uh, as it's possible to do from the uh, the B and Q range. So, got to pour one out for your boy Horus and Loken. Well, that's it. That's it. You know, mm. what what is a house if not a very expensive reference to your favourite thirty k legion? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I find that is a good way of working. Is to, for me anyway. Is like mm. I don't want to be at my desk all the time. I want to be with my partner. I want to be able to watch TV. I want to be able to like yeah. do lots of stuff. So it, that has been moving projects around so like right now my secret santa stuff's all in the living room in little bags i use the baggies a lot so like mm. and it's quite nice it's it makes it more of like a buffet of hobby so it's like i go to the garage i go Ooh, what do i want to do today it's like pick a blood angel and some mephiston red for that blood and an agrax for that and i'll go and i'll sort those out and pairs very well yes mm. yes 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 but then you want to contrast so you also do a custodian at the same time yeah yeah, so that is how we're going at the moment. Is uh, I don't know if it's ideal. I think once it gets to working full time in the office, I'm gonna have to like sort of 
review what that looks like yeah. uh, once things once things go back to normal, which they won't. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is finding the right balance, isn't it? Because uh, I mean, we could all just live in a condensed cube of nothing but spruce if we really wanted to, but I don't think any of us want to do that. <laughs> No, no, and it, it it is about like what is your lifestyle at home as well. So right, you do have to like think. Well, if you do, if you do live on your own, or you are, like your partner is happy for you to do other things, or you just I don't know, don't want to do those things with them, like or you schedule your time in a way, then yeah, like have your hobby place wherever it is. But you know, you got to work around other people because if you don't do that, then gotta yeah, ask some questions. <laughs> Anything else on that, V? Have we no, motivated you? It. Are you feeling better? <laughs> yes, yes. I like I like your uh, colour coded tray system that <laughs> I've definitely not added to. We had him at spreadsheet. That's yeah, I, I mean, say. well, I'm going to move on to uh, my subject for the uh, week. It's going to be a quickie, I think, because what we're doing at the moment as a um, as a little hobby community that we don't have is a secret Santa. And I just wanted to revel. Revel? 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 No, that's the sweet. Revels. That's the plastic glue. That's the plastic glue. Okay, hang on. Wait, rewind. Revel. Is that what you do when you've got stuff to yeah. dance around in a lion? I really like secret Santas, and I'm going to revel in them, because it is essentially an opportunity to give someone who you don't, really or potentially don't know particularly well but you do know exactly what they like by just stalking them on discord or on instagram <laughs> or on twitter for long enough that you can laser target a treat for them and that gives me big warm inside i get really excited about secret santa i may go a little bit overboard with secret santas but that's mostly because i've got quite a large bits box to sort of pillage every time and i'm i'm blessed for that that's a privilege i have so um we do set a budget for our secret santas by the way well um, i believe it is 10 pounds an uh, often our, ignored budget an often ignored budget i will say i have ignored it this year to get some parts <laughs> but i'm only i'm only using roughly 5 pounds worth of the parts from the thing i had to buy so right that's what i did last year i bought like a box of skinks which isn't less than the price limit but i still have most of a box of skinks yeah that's how you can do it you can finagle it like that you know bits box you obviously don't count your own time as money because who would um really if you were trying to sell these they'd come in the hundreds of pounds possibly um, yeah that's not the point yeah you shouldn't yeah. invoice your santi yeah and just to quickly break it down, uh, RM, why don't you describe how we kind of do our secret Santa? Because you are our uh, Santa's little helper this year. Yes, I took over. For, um, Peanut Butter Bug had been running it. I volunteered to take over this time. So yeah, we put out a little survey and we asked people which armies and uh, you know uh, hobbies they're into, which bits. For most people, that's quite a short answer. Uh, kind of had to tweak the template for Pete's answer. Uh, (laughs) i'm always breaking templates (laughs) and then uh ask people what sort of gift would you most like to give and to receive so that is that converting painting a mini just buying a mini that you think the person would like is it like merchandisey tat um or something game adjacent like objective markers or templates or stuff 
stuff like that. And then I randomized it all in a spreadsheet. Oh, it's perked up. And uh, then just made sure that everything lined up so nobody was buying for the same person they bought for before. And everyone's kind of like broadly lining up of, I haven't lined up uh, James who wants to do a conversion with somebody who mostly wants to just receive something straight out of the box. Turns out most people would like a conversion. More people mm. would like a conversion than wanted to do a conversion. Although a lot of people, their sort of first, second, third, fourth preferences weren't all that strong. And I think almost nobody would actually be dissatisfied with anything. That's the thing. Everyone's just too lovely. And then I made like little templated uh, Dear Santa letters. Um, which was me having fun of massively overproducing something as ever, which is which, were which is part of the fun, really. It is, yeah. Little yeah. treat for me. So yeah, I think it's the third year in a row I've done a secret Santa with uh, our our little group, and it is always a pleasure, basically, to just yeah create something for someone else. Like we get a lot of bits in our hobby; we get, they lie around unused, unloved, and having the opportunity to look at like a completely different faction that you might not collect, but have lots of things that you can apply to that, or, you know, just think around what someone else might like for their army, or, like, you think you might know the perfect thing for them because it's just like, oh, they've got all of this stuff, and I've got this stuff. What if I stick all this together and give it to them? Uh, that's that's a really good thing, and it's a nice feeling as well to, like, be a bit more giving in the hobby because it is a very... We are a very capitalist hobby here. We do buy lots of models fee and paint them and collect them. And then there are models and we display them and we look at them and we say, mm, yes, those are our models. But it's very nice to suddenly go, and this is for you. This is from me. Yeah, too. and I mean, it's always really nice to see like all the work that's gone into it. And even, even in previous years, you've done a great job, RM, of like getting a gallery of stuff together so everyone can see what everyone's done and what everyone's received and... I always find that my first sort of desire is like, well, one, you get it, you open it, you go, wow, this is amazing, I must share the photo with everyone. And the second thing I always do is this jumps immediately to the top of my painting queue because I want to sort of, you know, it's almost like a tribute to the amount of time that somebody's put into making it. You you, you want to you wanna get it done and ready to actually use. I think last year I got a really, really nicely converted Escher Ganger. I had to include her in my first ever game Necromunda uh, a couple of weeks back. Is yeah, it's, it's really cool to see the sort of the, the community and what it can make, and you know, well, it does help that we. I, I think we are all a very talented lot of people who like converting models and are mm. open to the idea of just having fun with things as well so lots of things have got jokes some things have little santa hats every now and then which is always a treat to see but also like some people are just very good at converting models and you get something in the post and you're like "Ooh, that's lovely I haven't seen that done before and it's like feels laser targeted at me so and you don't yeah, get that i have objectively the best Lord Relictor model mm. in existence and it turns out that's a really good model in the game right now for Stormcast and <laughs> thanks to Nursh I have just genuinely the best she took the existing one mashed it together with the flagellants kit. Flagellants? No flagellants I go with flagellants um, mashed it together so it's all covered in scrolls and stuff like that 
um, bit of a Mike Parry head uh, <laughs> screaming into the void. Um, and yeah, that's that's brilliant. So I love him. Got him painted up really quickly. Shamefully, my gift from the previous year, I've not actually got around to painting yet. Uh, it's a couple of Stormcast heroes, and I genuinely have dozens of them. <laughs> I think of my aforementioned like 5k Stormcast, about 3.5k is heroes, which I hear is the competitive mixture. Yeah, that's as it should be. So they are in my queue. I'm sorry, Dines, but um, <laughs> I'll get to them one day. Okay, so, Alistair, do you have any secret Santa treats in store for us this year? Yeah, well, I'm uh, taking part for the first time. Uh, it's unfortunately due to... I mean, I'm, so I'm having to send things over back uh, and forth to South Africa, which is not so good. Um, and in fairer times, I think it would be slightly easier because um, I've got some friends and family who've got friends and family over in the UK and therefore there are often people going backwards and forwards. Unfortunately, right now, that looks like it's not going to happen for anyone. So, um, yes. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I just really want to take part because it just seems like such a fun time of year and everyone has like just so much energy put into it and such good feelings come out so i'm putting in the effort to just like be part of it also uh i think that like it's quite interesting though because i've thought about it a lot when i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to take part um about setting up a secret center with uh my local community and i'm not really sure if it would work i think that uh you've got to be quite open and like aware of like your community and it's depending on like i think it's the amount of success you'll get out is how um i guess how friendly and open your community is to each other mm. and we are lucky in that we have a very like close-knit community um who uh for which this is a perfect thing um but i yeah it could be difficult to start one that not necessarily that you say that you shouldn't Certainly, it might make your community better. Uh, trying to set up something like this in your local game store. Yeah, yeah. I think it might. I think it might have even brought one of be one of the things that brought us together as a community a little bit as well, because it yeah. does encourage you to actually remember what other people have and remembering things about other people on the internet is something which I definitely can't do particularly well because everyone's a little avatar and people change their avatars as well and that's the worst thing you can ever do because I will forget <laughs> who you are and then Halloween comes around and you all change your names to your oh, Halloween names yeah, and then I do, it. And it's like oh it's the worst but it's certainly I think the nature of the hobby means that it's it's an opportunity to get to know someone a little better about the things that they collect and the things that they enjoy rather than the sort of secret Santa which happens in, say, your office where it's like everyone just has to spend five pounds and if you don't get celebrations as a treat... Like, I remember, actually, I re accidentally really insulted someone in an office which isn't my <laughs> office because we have, a like, a secret Santa and what I did was I went to, like, a Bristol trendy hipster shop, obviously, because I live in Bristol and I bought these at all, like gratitude cards i thought they were really sweet i thought they were really nice they were like these little cards and they're just little things to be thankful for a little like comments for the day and you can look through them and they say nice things and they're from like the school of life it's all inspirational um but the person thought that that was an insult to them because apparently they're really miserable and i was like 
I didn't know they were miserable. <laughs> I didn't know they were. Was the first them. was the first card say "Cheer up, mate" or something? I mean, it, I think it might have, <laughs> but it, it landed like a sock of wet fish. It was just mm. the worst. And I don't know if they knew it was me or not because it was anonymous. And I thought it was one kind of sucky for them, but also I found it incredibly funny that they found something which was about gratitude an insult. So, so silver lining then. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Anyway, sorry, person. Yeah, I had a work secret Santa the other year and we had to put in like our interests. So I, I put in like, you know, tabletop RPGs, Warhammer, video games, stuff like that. And then I got like the most, such a weird product a book which is like one page on each of those things it's like just an introduction oh. to like what are games so it was like a page about minecraft and a page about dnd i don't know who it would be for like who wants that information and doesn't already know more i don't want to be ungrateful but you know <laughs> that went straight in the charity shop pile it's <laughs> like it's not for me like maybe the person just didn't know me at all yeah and you don't really get that here because as you said james you might not know me but i've given you the link to my insta so you can see what type of minis and whether you're going to paint something or convert something or just buy a niche model like we had someone find some like a amazing little goblin models and just buy them for the person who loves goblins like that own the only skill required there is to want to get something for that person mm. and try and buy a good matched gift and like that was lovely like you don't have to show off with your painting skills but you can and that's another thing for me is like i do do conversions and green stuff for my own stuff but actually once a year i get to really like try something new and maybe flex a little bit and um branch out into a completely different style because it doesn't have to fit with anything else yeah i've done um i've genuinely been looking forward to this since january when i finished my previous one i was just like is it is it secret santa yet is it secret it's too early to send it out in june isn't it i can't send it out yet could we do like a summer one i don't know (laughs) another server i'm on did do i think just before i joined they did do like gitsmas in july or something like that nice i mean that is that is the um the extra little sort of thing you get to do with secret santa is work a bit on something that you're perhaps not familiar with because you don't collect it and you never have so that can be a little a little treat. Yeah, I mean, like I'm not going to get into Blood Angels. I'm probably not going to do a Blood Angels kill team even. Right. But I could do like a Blood Angel chaplain or something. Just, yeah. one, just a little one. And then like I won't be tempted because it's not even for me. Like I'm <laughs> going to give it away. And, it's not going to spiral. Know. Yeah. Mm. And there is that collaborative thing as well, which I don't think, well, you occasionally see it on Instagram where like a creator like collaborates with another one. It's just like, I converted this model and this awesome person painted this model. And now we've done this thing together and it's really nice. Mm. And you, we, we don't get to do that very much in the hobby. It's very rarely like I build some Skitari and then I give them to someone else to paint. Cause it's just like, screw off. Those are my Skitari. Can you uh, give them back, please? <laughs> um, but it is a nice opportunity to engage in something like that and pro- possibly could lead to something where you are, like convert one person converts because like personally i love converting models painting them i do like it but it getting them out the way it it feels like i'm getting them out the way when i'm painting Mm. them rather than like the converting bit is where and building is where i really get a lot of pleasure 
So it is a great opportunity to like see something which you've worked on and they, someone goes off and paints it really well. You're just like, oh, thank goodness. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I didn't have to do that. And it looks great. Thank you. So, yeah. Right. I think that's enough before I start spilling the beans on what my secret Santa is this year, because otherwise I will talk. And maybe in maybe in the new year, we will get to uh, do Once a secret all has Santa. Been revealed. Once all has been revealed. Yes. And keep keep an eye on the plastic people website maybe and we'll put like an article mm. of them together or something i don't know but it's fun sounds times. like a good idea <laughs> anyway let's move on to our last little thing of the of the uh, podcast which is that we actually went and played some games together well not all yeah. of us sorry alistair that's <laughs> <laughs> all right don't so apologize it, he, he didn't make the effort <laughs> frankly it's true yeah frankly you could we, have come technically <laughs> uh how many people ended up the only man to come through to it. I think it was twenty-five, or certainly twenty-five people were going to come, and then maybe had one or two dropouts near the end. But it was over twenty, certainly, which I was quite pleased with. Mm. It was definitely um, a good number of us. Yeah, it's comparable to the last couple we've had, because obviously the first, the first few we had in years past were quite, quite we like. I think the first one was like a dozen or 16 or so people, and then it's sort of grown from there. So even after this big gap, having it get back to the amount of people we were getting before was was nice and heartening. Mm. And new people as well were coming as well. Yeah, that was good to see. Yeah, because we've had quite a few people join our community over lockdown because, I mean, Warhammer's a good way to spend a lot of time in a solitary manner. <laughs> you can't leave the house, paint a, a tiny plastic war doll. That's that's the old saying. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of folks who joined us at, at, during that time, we were able to to see and play games with, and that was lovely. Yeah. So how many like so? What games did each of you play? I guess uh, is a good question. And how many games in total, if there were any that played that were, you didn't play? So I just brought my aos stuff and played aos i i guess i only really have like single models and tiny bits of other stuff like i have the same model that pete's painting that broodlord but i have like two um gene stealer cults models like because i just painted them as like i want to paint a thing so mostly i just have stormcast and i was aware i could like play warcry but i hadn't played any third edition aos yet so i was like i'm gonna come up i'm really excited about um what's it called path to glory the campaign system i was like i'm quite a narrative gamer really i think so this would be really good um but i made sure i packed stuff for a 2k list like kind of just in case and also i need to get some prep in for the tournament and it's not quite the list i'm going to be running i've couple of units to add but i was like i'll get some practice in i'll play luke and see how that goes and actually i just ended up playing three matched play games one at 1k and i used my star drake and i think he's a little bit silly at 1k <laughs> but i was playing nurse and we were using match play rules but i think we're fairly similar gamers of this isn't about like oh who's the better general who's going to win this tactical game like we're there to have a fun big fight and it doesn't really matter too much and like yeah if my unit dominates then either it just wins the game and the game's over cool or we'll do something about it and it did end up eating three steam tanks 
Um, <laughs> I think they got their revenge on the other people that Nurse played in the weekend. That's, so very, that's, okay. that's very true. But I didn't have much trouble with them. A bit like your um, your horrible big Skaven thing, Pete, back in the day when yeah, that was I played against it and just rolled it over a couple of times and then yeah. you took it to the big meetup in Cardiff and <laughs> it was apparently the big bad there. So. Well, I was constantly talking about how crap it was because of previous experience <laughs> against you. So I think, yeah, I think I undersold it a bit because it ended up squashing a lot of um, Stormcast under its fist. Yeah. So I played that and then, yeah, I played a couple of 2K games and it was really good because I started the weekend of, okay, I know AOS, the general kind of like turn cycle and generally how it works. Played a reasonable amount of AOS 2. It's fine. And then third is just like layered all these things on top, <laughs> which at the beginning I was just flummoxed. I was quite stressed, wasn't enjoying it. It was all too much. But even by the end of that first game, it was making so much more sense. I think that like it fits quite nicely to a mental model of the game and therefore things make sense. So like a lot of the command abilities I think now are a bit more obvious than they used to be. There's like fewer exceptions. It's like, oh, the one I want to use in the shooting phase works. Whereas before there was only one and it was in the combat phase or there was this thing in the charge phase and now it's almost like there's a buff to everything. They're different, but it's kind of what you'd expect. So I went from the beginning of the weekend being like, ah, I can't play AOS anymore. What have I done? I've committed to a tournament to, (laughs) oh yeah, I can do this and now I can make tactical decisions on top. Um, And yeah, Hmm. won some games, lost some games and pushed my Star Drake around the table. Which is really what I was there for. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just thinking in total how many games we had going. We ended up with 20 people, and we had essentially. Oh, I should also say we were at nightly games in Bathgate mm. in Scotland, and it's a lovely, big, big venue. Um, and it's yeah. trying to do lots of really nice things. And the hosts there were absolutely fantastic to us. They cooked. They cooked me and other people vegan food. Um, which I'm always impressed by. And they and they to... came around on the Saturday and asked one of us to have a taste of what she was planning to cook on the Sunday for the vegans <laughs> ah. to check that it was tasty enough because while she was confident in her meaty bolognese for the meat eaters, she wasn't confident that our food was going to be oh, nice amazing. enough. Mm. And like my heart melted. Like They yeah. were just adorable. And I had to try and reassure her. <laughs> it was brilliant and also well above and beyond. And yeah, also it, incredibly cheap, like for catering at an event. Yeah, it was really, really competitively priced. So I was very impressed with that. Yeah, so we had about ten. We had four rows of tables with three games on each row, and we didn't. We ended up not using them all because some people were getting tired, and we actually had a bit more space as well. But we basically took over an entire the front entire front of the um, yeah. nightly gaming and yeah we had Horus Heresy Corner which is where all the all the Horus Heresy players went to play their complicated game including me which yes nice. yes we were <laughs> yeah um and that was good fun I had uh three games of Heresy I think did we have three games or two games I can't remember I think it might be well two. I, I... Of course, I made a little schedule that we ended up not keeping to because we had quite a few players that were very new to it. Um, so I was planning on doing three 30k games in the first day um, and we ended up doing two. And then 
I played a third one on the Sunday as well. That's right, yeah. So I think a lot of people ended up doing that. So a lot of people within our little mini subgroup of 30k. <laughs> uh, yeah, 30k enthusiasts. It was good to get get it onto the table again because we did have our little. Uh, we've obviously we've had our. If you want to hear more about our Horus Heresy opinions, we had our Horus Heresy special uh, after we played some Horus Heresy at Warhammer World a few months back. But it was good to give it another go and just slowly remember the rules and get a little bit more into yeah. how it actually works as a as a game, really, rather than a learning see a experience. few see a few more armies on the table as well. Like the Swordfish mm. is lovely, bright yellow, really well executed Imperial fists. Oh yes, they're incredible. He's going to be yelling at the podcast right now that they're not as bright as they look in pictures well, on the internet. I... And sorry, Tom, we all disagree. <laughs> We've seen them in real life now, so yeah, so yeah. there. <laughs> they are glorious. They're lovely. Um, and also, um, uh, Fatang's World Eaters as well. We're great yeah. to play against and uh, yeah, see and on see. the table and see. Yeah, yeah. because they 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 travelled across the sea to get to us, which was. What a treat. Yeah. So, yeah, there's lots of games going on. What other games did I play? I played um played a game of uh, 40k against uh, other podcast hosts, uh, Rouge. Uh, I played his amazing cultists, his Slaneshi cultists. And yeah. essentially, it was an excuse to, like, people have been talking about how many of them, and they couldn't shift all these cultists off the table. Like, we were only playing, like, a thousand-point game. And I was like, well, I play Admech, and, mate, I think I can honed down a lot of firepower on those cultists so my goal was to try and one shot them off the table on the first turn and i killed 26 cultists on the first turn that's which what you made... get for putting so much effort into such low value models <laughs> which he then obviously recycled the cultist unit came in at the side and then managed a 12 inch charge across the into the middle of the table but i did get him eventually i got him and then uh yeah that was a good game actually that was probably my first game of 40k where i felt like i kind of understood what my army was supposed to be doing mm. as well um mostly because i've been revising a little bit which is what you're supposed to do with that well Admech, you got to current, do current day admech are very <laughs> complicated aren't they they are they are you got to kind of just roll with it a little bit and know what you're yeah. going to do and then just try and stick to that plan when you're playing it mm. and also got to play a little bit of kill team as well which was a nice um uh Tom Dines uh, showed me how to play Kill Team, and it's quite good. I even like the 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 strange um, measuring sticks. The, the I think they're actually quite nice. Icon system. Oh, very good. Yeah. But yes, it was it was lovely. I managed to get my first in person game of Necromunda going as well, which I was really pleased to do. Uh, props to Axo for not only talking me through that, but also um, bringing a, sh- uh, a heap of terrain with him. Because uh, you you need a nice sort of dense section of uh, urban decay to fight through uh, for Necromunda, um, but yeah, because this this is another sort of victim of lockdown. Because when when it looked last year like everything was starting to ease off, I I'd been starting to get into Necromunda and also you know start corralling people into hey maybe we should have a campaign that we can all chip into, and obviously that never actually happened in the end because of. Things not actually getting back to normal last year, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was really, really nice to play. I mean, I got absolutely destroyed, taken apart by uh, <laughs> Axo's gang of uh, really nicely painted Orlocks, but probably my own fault for sort of um, 
charging like single gangers into his group of uh, sort of elite combat monsters. But you know, you live and you learn, or you die and you learn. In my case. It was really good fun, and we got to hang out in the evenings as well together as as friends, as friends do. That was really lovely. Um, I can't really think of what else we did. Really, it was a very long drive for me to get up to Scotland. That's all I kind of remember. I was going to say I thought it was bad for me because it took me five <laughs> hours to get up there, but not nine's. Uh, I mean, hell, frankly. <laughs> I, I would um, suggest not driving from from Brist- Bristol to Scotland yeah. with a six p.m. deadline to go to a meal. <laughs> that was probably my mistake. I definitely did not sleep enough that whole weekend because we were. <laughs> as I started bad and then it just continued. <laughs> so, and I lost. It's a constant voice. danger mm. with with like you know events that are more than one day long. I find like it's really easy to get your your sort of your balances off to misalign your humours. <laughs> Some people were even playing on the Friday night as well because I know. Well, that's just outrageous frankly yeah so a, a lovely host about and you did mention terrain as well they were very nice to um try and provide a lot of terrain but as a new sort of uh a new sort of location they didn't actually have that much so we were we did bring our own as well and i think yeah, that a lot that really of people helps. who were relatively local managed to bring stuff with them which was really really awesome mm. and yeah i think that was, i think that's kind of what we wanted to say about it we did also afterwards all get a lurgy which was not the well, not the lurgy which we're not supposed to get. Apart from Pete, who seems to have the immune system of some kind of Adonis god. Um, well, the, the thing is, I used to get ill at the drop of a hat, and I started eating like fruit and vegetable a few years ago, and uh, turns out that that does the trick. <laughs> I'm just going to side eye you as a vegan who does still manage to catch it. <laughs> My previous exclusively beef diet did not do me any favors. <laughs> Um, but yes, uh, I guess the old um, convention illness, the convention lurgy, whatever mm. it is, um, did strike down a few of us afterwards. So Sadly, be aware, yeah. while you can test negative for everything in the world, which is going around right now, you can also catch a cold from someone. So and yeah. being indoors for a year and a half and or more does reduce your immune system slightly. So yep. Be aware if you're doing it. Maybe continue washing your hands properly and don't sneeze yeah. in someone's face. Um, yeah. So that's kind of all I wanted to touch on there. It was a brutal week last week. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you. It was amazing. It was. Yeah, it was just so good to see people again get minis out on the table. Like Google notified me recently. Like I finished that Star Drake a year ago, like roughly today, and it hadn't been out the flat. So, and as I say, like, I'm proud of how my minis look, but I like other people to see them. And yeah, Instagram and stuff is great, but actually popping it on a table and being like, look, dragon. The best, the best bit of all these uh, events really is like at the start of each day when everyone has their like, you know, it's basically like the Fast and the Furious, except instead of cars with their (laughs) engines popped open, it's a a lovely nerd with a tray full of miniatures. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I kind of wish you hadn't made that comparison, but yeah, like yeah, I just <laughs> I got my minis case out, popped it on the table, pulled the like shelves out so you could see everything, <laughs> and was just like standing near it. And if anyone wandered by, yeah. I was like, "Hey, hey, jams, jams, come and look, look." You say you don't like that comparison, but you do have a spoiler on that thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> did declare it was all about family several times. <laughs> 
think it's quite telling that um, the next one is now currently being organised already. So, yeah. What I'm going to do now is move us on to our wrap-up section because we have been talking for a, a little while and I think it's uh, about an episode, really. So, let's bring it on in. Uh, lo, who, who first? Uh, Alistair, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on both Instagram and Twitter at the at Painting Armory, uh, where I occasionally paint, post pictures of the things which I've completed, but I should post more so that I can go look at my own Instagram. You should, definitely. Those stripy uh, titans won't show off themselves, will they? Four. Mm. And uh, RM, where can you be discovered? Uh, I'm rogue underscore Michael on Twitter and Insta, but I only really post when I finish a mini, and that is not frequently. So really, it's Discord. I'm on the Role Models and AOS Coach Discords. Uh, and as I say, constantly reposting everything I've painted there. Again and again and again. And let's go with Fee. Where where can we find you? Uh, I'm at Fienya on Instagram and Twitter. But if, if, if you look at Twitter and I'm on there, then I'm doing badly. So shout at me and say, don't be on Twitter anymore. Uh, that's F-I-Y-E-N-Y-A-A. Brilliant. And you can find me on uh, Instagram at alone music or one word uh where i'll probably be posting pictures of various things eventually and cats and synthesizers as well as minis so that is tend to be my what i don't do and board games i played board games last night that was really fun oh, as well wow. that was also quite emotional roll for the galaxy very good fun um there ah, we go. so good mm. Anyway, you can find us on the internet um, as a collective at tinyplasticpeople.com. You can also send us emails and things at uh, thetinyplasticpeople at gmail.com. And you can discover our Twitter at uh, tinyplasticpals on the the hate-fueled tiny text (laughs) thing. We text, we we send good content out into the world and uh, vaguely... Not like me. (laughs) We don't start arguments, Fee, do we now? Mm. I don't start them, but I Continue. do prolong them. <laughs> so, that's it from uh, all of us. Say goodbye in in any order you choose. Bye. 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 Bye.